How many cafes would you imagine are sprinkled across the U.S. alone? By our rough calculations, Team Hum figures that there have to be tens of thousands, if not more. Some large and commercial, some small mom-and-pop stores that have all sold the same rich coffee for years. Cafes and coffee houses all around the world are where people meet. They're a melting pot and a rendezvous for the human experience. Gathering with old friends, a place to do homework, maybe grab a quick coffee on a work break, or just enjoy time diving into a favorite book. What sets the scene is that nourishment. According to Harvard Health, coffee drinkers live longer, and research has linked moderate consumption with longevity as well as reducing the risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and Parkinson's disease. But what if buying a large cappuccino could significantly change a person's life? Sound implausible? Think again. For one woman, opening a small restaurant staffed by at-risk youth was her first step in mending a hole in the social justice system. It's called Brood, and our story starts here. I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is The Humble Brag. Kurtz is a small but warm and inviting cafe in Evanston, Illinois, and like many, it's a magnet and mortar to the community that it serves. But more than the coffee it brews or soups and salads that it serves, the real mission of Kurtz Cafe is cultivating promise. Almost every employee behind the counter is under the age of 25, and watch them work. You can see their determination and pride. For many, it's their first job. Talk to a couple of employees or even the regulars at the cafe, and you'll understand why it's so much more than a job. It's a beacon of hope for formerly incarcerated, homeless, and traumatized youth. Susan Garcia Treshman is the brainchild behind Kurt's Cafe. She's worked in the restaurant industry since the tender age of 13, when she began waitressing at a local country club with her mom. Ever since then, she's loved the concept of hospitality. The day we spoke was a beautiful spring day. Susan chatted with me from her outdoor patio at the cafe so she could enjoy the sun's warmth during the noon hour. The birds were singing and the bees buzzing, signaling summer's awakening. I really like being able to serve people, making them happy, uh, bringing them things that they need or maybe didn't know they need, and it's always been a strong part of me. At 25, she started a catering company, Food for Thought, with her sister Nancy and brother-in-law Kurt. They had $300 between them. Food for Thought grew into a creative and upscale multi-million dollar food service business that continues to cater the greater Chicago area. But it was their strong family bond that set them apart. Do you have children of your own? I do. I have two wonderful kids. Um, Our son is 31. His name's Trevor. And our daughter is 29, Anna Mae. And then we raised Nan and Kurt. And my husband, husband Tom, and I raised our kids in a two-flat all together. And Nan and Kurt and their two kids lived downstairs, Rosie and Adam. And we all lived upstairs. So I, I like to consider myself the mother of four because we raised our kids together. We all owned the company together. Um, We ate most of our meals together. We definitely um, 
we had an eight-pack going for sure. But at 53, Kurt was diagnosed with lung cancer and passed away within a year. Susan watched him process his life and death and wanted to make sure she gave herself the opportunity to do things she hadn't tried yet. When Kurt passed away, it was time for me to kind of look to see what else might be available in the world for me and for my family. So I left the company and went to college for the first time and started learning about other things going on in the world. I started to see what else I might have interest in and social injustice for teenagers like really sparked my interest. And the more I learned, the more upset I got and the less resources I found for young people incarcerated, young people returning, this this really vulnerable 15 to 24-year-old group was, was being sidelined a lot, and I didn't feel right about it. She went on to explain that she had taken a restorative justice class that was life-changing. I did a, a circle in prison for my final exam. Sometimes called circles of support and accountability, a prison circle is a practice that brings victims, offenders, and community members together to address harms committed and an attempt to restore broken relationships. And, and really got the opportunity to listen to young people from the heart speaking about, speaking more honestly about their hopes and dreams than anything terrible. And I kept thinking, well, how are they going to make it? Like, this, this, isn't, this isn't a world that's very accepting of, of these young people, yet they have such dreams and hopes and possibilities. And the more I learned, the more I, I saw that our society had really marginalized a lot of people. And so I learned through restorative justice, through peace and nonviolent mediation, through conversations at the heart, that we needed to make a change. And these young people were worth taking the chance on because... They were willing to work really, really hard at making a change. The recidivism rate for youth is so high, it's 86% in Illinois. And, you know, the idea that, you know, we've helped them, we've done everything we can, we've given them this and we've given them that and we've taught them this and that and they still reoffend. And I, I heard, heard said that if we just basically throw them away, throw them back in prison until their minds mature, They'll be safer. They'll have three hats in a cot. Um, they won't be able to get in trouble on the outside. They won't hurt anybody. So that's kind of where the term came up is they're just they're just not making good decisions on the outside. So we are just going to keep them on the inside. And that is not a place for anyone. I would not put anyone that I loved inside the prison. I would not put anyone I didn't love inside the prison. And it's definitely no place for children. And if 16, 18-year-old, their children. The term she's talking about really is throwaway kids. It's a phrase used to label youth who've had a hard time staying out of some kind of trouble and find themselves on the wrong side of the law with a lot of judicial contact. Those are kids Susan and her team are looking to help, the ones who live in an unsafe space. Some have graduated from high school, but many have not. See, when a kid enters the prison system, any kind of learning stops entirely. Instantly, they find themselves in a world where they aren't allowed to make even the most basic choices. What to eat, what to wear, how to think. 
Susan's tipping point to start Kurtz came after another sharing circle that she did with three Latino youth from Evanston, ages 14 and 15, who were being sent away on felony charges for graffiti to both private property and a school. The damage was extensive, and she would never minimalize that. Coincidentally, Evanston had only recently removed all of their public access graffiti walls. The kids were angry. What happened in that circle was telling. The affected family, who happened to be black, wanted to know why, and the kids wanted to be heard. The mediation worked, and rather than sending the offending youth away, they painted the affected family's African-American church, and they taught a class about graffiti at the school that was damaged. All is restitution. It was the final moments of the circle that brought Susan's aha moment to the forefront. They asked the youth, what would have stopped you from doing this? They replied, we want our art walls back and we can't get jobs. Right then and there, with her love of food service and this pressing need staring her square in the eye, Kurtz was born. You know, you're teenagers, You've got those teenage hormones. You've got a teenage brain. So your brain's not fully developed. I believe the, a girl's brain maybe fully develops around 23. So they say a, a, a male about 24. And so the decision-making is really, a lot of it is hormonally driven, I think. Teenagers should be able to be teenagers. I think they should be able to make mistakes and mess up a bunch. But I don't think that their restitution should be prison. I think the restitution should be education and love and food and respect and all those kind of things. So my, my teenagers, both of them, all four of them made some really dumb decisions and they had pretty good parenting. So, you know, you can't expect anyone to, I think if someone doesn't get in a little bit of trouble in their teenage years, they're not trying hard enough. Every year, tens of thousands of Illinois teenagers enter the juvenile justice system with alarming racial and ethnic disparities. The effects on the lives of these children is often devastating, with some placed in juvenile centers because of a lack of foster care options. The majority of these kids were born into poverty and grew up in marginalized communities. Options in many cases are few, with hopes and dreams rarely to be realized. With the creation of resources like Kurtz, children are finding themselves with quality, whole-child learning. People who truly care about them with at-the-elbow, one-on-one social support, and sustainable options to make good decisions and live a productive life. Would it be too forward to ask what kinds of struggles these kids have had and where do they live? So the struggles are absolutely immense. Um, The homeless kids are living literally homelessly, so they're living on the street um, a very common place is under viaducts and bridges because there's shelter. I, I unfortunately had a couple, three students tell me that find it very comforting to sleep behind dumpsters because it's safe. They can only be attacked if the dumpster is on a wall on one side or on top, but generally on one side. So they'll sleep there. Uh, many of our students would sleep in the hallways of their friends, so they may not be able to get in that the apartment that their friends live in, but the friends will let them in the front door so they can at least lay their head in the hallway. A lot of young people will ride the train all night or ride a bus all night with a one-ticket fare, which unfortunately they can't do during COVID. 
a lot of um, young people will couch surf. So maybe on, on our couch for a week and then on your couch for a week. But unfortunately, if, if they have a felony on their record, anyone, um, you cannot go into subsidized housing units. So that, that eliminates a lot of households. And so they'll surf on couches that welcome them. And a lot of the couches that welcome them are the gang's couches. So they will be there. You will find them there. A lot of times, if you don't get involved in a gang, then you will become a target of the gang. Like some people just have to be in it in order to walk down the block. And that's absolutely tragic and it's absolutely true. So there's a lot of different reasons that kids join gangs and anybody joins gangs. But I think none of them are the reason that people think like they just want to be badass and want to shoot up people. That's absolutely not why. We'll be right back. Hey, humble braggers. We hope you're enjoying all of the humble brag stories. The team at Hum Productions works really hard to leverage our stories with the incredible and inspiring impact of our guests. Our shows are designed to highlight the extraordinary work of ordinary people, just like you and me. They need our help, and so we'd like to team up with you, our listeners. While podcasts are free to listen to, they aren't free to produce. So please consider donating to The Humble Brag, and 30% of your gift will be donated back to the episode charity of your choice. Check out the donate button on our website at www.humblehumblebragg.com. We're excited about continuing this storytelling and social responsibility journey with you. Thanks. Hey, CJ Humble Brag Assistant Writer. Do you ever order takeout from your favorite restaurant? Hey, Brooke, Humble Brag Creator and Host. I sure do. I think it's really great when a restaurant's menu loads nicely on my phone, then sends me a notification when the order's ready. Obviously, technology is no longer optional for businesses like Kurt's Cafe. It's a necessity, huh? Would you say it's kind of a science? Science is the tech help desk for restaurants and coffee shops who are too busy focusing on great customer service. Waiting in line for your morning hot double chai, soy espresso, half-calf latte at a place with spotty Wi-Fi is so... Yesterday. Time is money. Humble braggers, know a restaurant or coffee shop that needs help tackling technology woes? Science is where great tech support comes in. Visit scienceoncall.com for more details and mention promo code HUM for a free consultation and one month of free service. Hey, look at that. Looks like my lunch is ready. I'm out of here. Living every lesson, building over pressure. I just take it day by day. Standing on good measures, hold it all together. Glad I'm doing things my way. Living every lesson, building over pressure. I just take it day by day.
You know, I lis- listening to you, you refer to them as your students. What's been what's the response to some of these to to your students when you when you claim them like that? I mean, I'm wondering has has anybody have they been claimed as students before and what does that mean to them? Has anybody ever talked with you about that? That's always like settled really um, heavy in my heart. So we teach and we are teaching our students through a lot of different ways. So we're job skill and life skill. Our job skill is taught on the line in an open restaurant every day, all day long. And so the students are taught how to use, use a cash register, how to make a latte, how to make um, healthy drinks, how to run a restaurant, how to clear tables, how to do inventory, um, all this stuff in any, we're a restaurant, not just a coffee shop, um, how to bake scones and things like that. So all the front of the, we call it front of the house stuff is taught in our um, training program. They're also taught in the kitchen. So they're taught cafe maintenance. Then again, it's done during an open day of um, restaurant business. We are, we're open to the public all day long so that the students interact so that they feel as if they have a job. It's not just a training program to them. We let them know that if they don't show up, that we can't run the the cafe without them. So it really feels and looks and and entertains like a job. So that's like probably about six hours out of an eight-hour day that they're really working at running the restaurant. The, um, The other part of the program, though, is the life skills. And we're very proud of this. This is run by the social service providers and we have a social worker at each restaurant and they work at there's a class every single day that all students have to attend and they're right now we're building an entrepreneurial program we have a book club at each cafe we have classes in anger management and safe sex and um, professionalism and sexual harassment in the workplace and at home we have classes on a meditation and yoga when Yoga is more for the girls, but not necessarily specific because we do have a lot of LBGTQ. And so, you know, everything is pretty much for everybody. But our meditation class is very, very popular just to learn how to relax a little bit. We teach financial literacy, table etiquette. We teach um, art therapy. We teach writing. So all these different things that actually the students that I originally spoke with identified as things that they would like to learn and all that is taught right in-house by volunteers and by ex-teachers and things like that and then they also have one-on-one counseling meetings at least once a week sometimes twice sometimes five times however often they need a one-on-one counseling that happens right in the cafe the social workers have private offices they also have a one-on-one check-in every week so that the uh, social workers can keep on track with you know, helping them get driver's license, helping them get their GED. If they're in the program, they have to, and they haven't graduated, they have to be in a GED program. Teachers come right to the restaurants. Um, we help them get their state ID. We help them open bank accounts. All these kind of like soft skills that other young people have had the benefit of having people help them navigate. We do all that with them. So that happens right in the restaurant. In Illinois juvenile prisons, nine out of 10 youth have been diagnosed with some level of mental health issue. For those who do receive high-quality treatment, recovery is difficult because they're spending their days and nights locked in stark prison cells, either alone or surrounded by other youth with behavior issues. In short, 
Recovery from PTSD or other mental health issues is fundamentally incompatible with an adult prison model, where youth are confined for months or years in large prisons surrounded by barbed wire. Are your social workers employed by Kurt's Cafe or are they part of a, a another resource? No, they're part of Kurt's Cafe. They're on our salary. Yeah. Our students need them all the time. It's not like a, you know, I'm kind of having a breakdown on Tuesday. I'm planning on having one on Thursday. You know, the PTSD that comes out, it often comes out when you're being treated in a different way, right? So if you're hustling through in trauma and in, in high pressure and in chaos, you can live on that level for a period of time. But when you start to come to work at Kurtz and people love you and people hug you, or well, we used to hug, um, people give you an opportunity to talk. But then once that starts to happen, oftentimes the trauma comes up as what it really is, right? So there's a contract. So our, our social workers, they hustle all day long. They work eight-hour shifts. They're exhausted by the end of a week because the students need them that much. PTSD is real. Most of our students deal with it, and our social workers are amazing navigating it. That's awesome. How long are these kids students at Kurtz? Um, they're students at Kurtz for about three months, if full-time. You know, there's absolutely no reason they should trust us. There's absolutely no reason that what we're doing is better than what they're doing on the street. They certainly make more on the street. There is no reason that this is an opportunity that is going to be successful for them because they haven't generally succeeded in their life. So the first month's really hard. But then once they get going, then it's usually a better second month and it's a great third month. And then unfortunately, we have to get them jobs. But it's um, it's their timing. So it's supposed to be three months at 40 hours a week, whatever that equates to. Do the kids, do are the kids able to continue to use the resources, the life skills resources at Kurtz once they've graduated? Uh, 200%, yes. They can come back anytime. They can come back to eat. They can come back to hang out. They can come back to chill. They can come back for social services. They can come back if then they're then ready to get their driver's license. The door is always open. Once a graduate at Kurtz, you're always welcome. Uh, there's no, there's no opportunity to, to say goodbye. We, we tell them, sorry, you're stuck with us. It's like family, whether you like us or not, we're here. When you're, when you place people, your students in jobs outside of Kurtz, do you keep track of them? Do you know if, what the recidivism rate is? We do. Well, we do our best. And thank you for reminding me. One just called me yesterday and I've got to come back. So yeah, we do our best. Um, one of the challenges you have working with young people that have been on their own for a long time is they'll have 15 phones during your relationship. So we have to always figure out ways to to engage all the time with people. And it, it comes with the uh, fact that we, uh, as I mentioned, we feed them. So we literally say you can come in after you graduate and it's, it's just because we're going to miss you, but it's really because we want to keep tabs on you. But it's the same thing with your kids, right? You wouldn't say, come over for Sunday dinner because we love you. It's, or you, that's what you say, right? But it's also because we want to see you. We want to make sure you're okay. Are you eating enough? You know, we feed them and they come. And that's like the whole idea behind what we're doing is, you know, how you would treat your son. That's how we treat our students. And they, they behave that way, you know? 
we nothing we do is magic. It is teaching like parents teach that have the resources to teach a certain way. I asked Susan about the recidivism rate specific to Kurtz. With a resource built to focus on nurture and the development of children, I knew she would have her finger firmly on the pulse of where their students, all of them, are. To date, four have been reincarcerated. One got out a few years ago, has two children, and has a good full-time job. The second one is out, too, and is the assistant manager of a local warehouse. The third is out and is working the overnight shift, which he purposely chose. He knows that nights are when he can get into trouble. The fourth just got out and is back at work where he landed when he graduated from Kurtz. How does she know all of this? Well, because they come by the cafe on a regular basis to eat. In 2015, MIT researcher and economist Joseph Doyle co-authored a study of the socioeconomic backgrounds of 30,000 Illinois juvenile offenders, as well as the recidivism rate after they were detained in adult prisons. He found that, among other things, up to two-thirds of juvenile offenders were involved in the child welfare system, and these juveniles were shown to be far more likely to reoffend than juveniles who had never been in the child welfare system at all. These offenders also had a very low rate of returning and completing high school. The lack of a secondary school diploma severely limits the types of jobs these prior offenders can get, which in turn can lead them back into the prison cycle. Recently, the state of Illinois calculated that the cost of a single offender who returns to prison to be around $151,660. That amount considers the direct costs incurred by crime victims, law enforcement, jail and court costs, as well as indirect costs such as reduced economic activity, since prisoners who recidivate no longer earn salaries, pay taxes, or otherwise contribute to their community. There are many other resource programs out there aimed at rehabilitating at-risk youth who've been incarcerated. One of the biggest differences between other programs in Kurtz is federal and state funding. This is important. Kurtz doesn't accept a dime in taxpayer money. Most other programs focus on just workforce training or social service availability. What sets Kurtz apart is that they bring both of those very fundamental resources together, plus all of their life skills classes into one space. And as Susan mentioned, they are an open-to-the-public cafe. These students come to work knowing they are worth a good life. They are worth a good job. They show up looking fresh and ready to work, and Susan loves that. And like starting Kurtz wasn't enough, Susan is also a founding member of a group that calls themselves Restorative Justice Evanston, a nonprofit that works with youth and community to dialogue. She's also part of another group called The Collective, nine local nonprofits whose common ground is working with youth. They received a small grant from United Way that the group used to hire a few young people to go out into the community to survey resources in the area, 
who was doing it well, who isn't, and what kids want. Susan knows the power of collaboration and working in conjunction with other like-minded organizations only makes them stronger. What makes you most proud about what you're doing at Kurtz? Well, I'm like, I'm very proud of the staff because they're brilliant and they're patient and they're so hardworking and to be able to work alongside people that are so amazing. But my only like true prideful moment is seeing the students succeed and, and that's their pride. Like we're just, and, and I don't say it flippantly. I, I honestly mean this from the core of my heart. We open the door, but they work their butt off and they work their heart out to change their lives. That's what I'm proud of is that I get to, to, to be there with them when they achieve that. I'm proud of what I do. Certainly I'm, I'm, proud that I'm still standing to do it, but I'm most proud of them. They're amazing. It's a magical place. Oh, thank you. Humble Bragg is created and produced in cooperation with Hum Productions. Our web address is humble, H-U-M-M-B-L-E, Bragg, B-R-A-G-G, dot com. Financial support for the show is generously provided by JLB Images and listeners like you. We'd like to extend our sincerest thanks to our guest, Susan Garcia Treshman. For more information about Kurt's Cafe, we have a link to them in our show notes, on our website. The next time you find yourself in Evanston or Highland Park, Illinois, and the slightest bit peckish or parched, please stop into the cafe. It may just change your life for the better, too. Special thanks to Last Gasp Collective for providing their songs Crew Love and Seventeen for this episode. A link to their website can be found in our show notes, and their music is available on all major streaming platforms. Our star team, Christine Murdoch, senior producer and editor, C.J. D'Amico, associate producer and researcher, sound engineering by Matt Wheeler, music curation by L. Lively of Crooked Tree Creative, Norman Bauer and Lee Bechtold for digital artwork and web design. Patricia Brzezowski for communications, and Andrew Sachs for our original music. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it as it helps others find us too. We would love to hear from you, so send us an email or find us on social media. Pitch us ideas about people who you think would be great to have on our show. Maybe it's even you. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary program. Everyone has a story. Share. I'm Brooke Bechtold. Thanks for listening.